Welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship. My name is Jason Wheland, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Linda Tokar. Hi, Linda. Hey there. Good to be with you. <laughs> so in case you're new, this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or um, as Linda, you know, it's just going to say in her regular, happy, everyday voice. It's the show that helps you grow. She literally never knows how I'm going to prompt her to say that. Um, literally never. <laughs> Uh, friends, uh, we are in the middle of this uh, series on um, embodiment, talking th- um, about this book called Embodied by Dr. Greg Allison. This is our, I think it's our, our fourth episode in this series. So um, if you're fresh into this, go back and check out the earlier episodes. We did a, a, an interview with Dr. Allison as our first episode. Then we uh, talked about some problems uh, with embodiment. And then we did an episode on how we can worship with our body and talking about some spiritual disciplines uh, that incorporate our body. Um, Today, we are talking about um, the problem of suffering, uh, as you saw in the, in the title of this episode. So, so this isn't new to you, but we, but yeah, it, it it gets into it. And um, we already had the interview, so so I can say in advance that it was a great conversation with a friend of Saddleback, Rob Rice. Rob, mm-hmm. um, he is not only a member of Saddleback, but he's also a chaplain at, at, at Hogue Hospital. Uh, he is an adjunct uh, teacher at Cal Baptist University. He spent 15 years working with the International Missions Board, and he currently works um, with a organization called Help for All Nations and works on Bible translation projects. So he has done it all. He has seen it all. And uh, he both both in his work here at the hospitals and overseas, he's um, just, he's been in the midst of a lot of suffering. And so his stories and his wisdom that he shared were just really impactful. So really looking forward to you guys being able to hear this conversation um, on suffering. So um and make sure to stay through to the end, too. We um, ended with Rob praying for anybody who is in the midst of suffering right now. So if that's you, or even if it's not you, I'll make sure to stay all the way through to the end and mm. receive Rob's prayer, too, at the end. So um, without further ado, let's uh, join our conversation with Rob Rice. All right, Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. We're really glad to have you here, especially talking about such a charming topic as suffering. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, honestly, when we started this topic of, of embodiment and talking about, you know, what are the implications that God created us as bodily beings, people, you know, as, 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 as body and soul, it's natural that we would come upon this conversation of talking about suffering and just the reality of, of that, because, uh, that's, it's, it's such a big part of what it means to be human. It's something that, mm-hmm. that, that is ubiquitous. Everybody deals with suffering. So, um, thank you so much for being willing to dive into this, especially given your background and experience, you've engaged with this topic a lot and you've put a lot of thought in and, um, in time and energy into examining uh, the, the topic of suffering. So let's just kind of dive into it uh, just to start the conversation, you know, off to get us all on the same page. Uh, how would you define suffering and, and how should we think about it? Yeah, that's, that's such a difficult question at times because um, 
the first thing I want to say is if anyone's listening today and, and you're feeling in pain and you're feeling something that you think is just too much for you, I, I, I'm going to talk about suffering, but I, I, I don't want you to think that I, um, but what you're feeling and what you're going through is, is different or less important. Um, I want you to understand that uh, I may say some things that sometimes I'm going to talk about someone else's suffering and I'm not comparing yours and, and someone else's. Um, so your suffering and what you're going through is really important to me. Um, I define suffering as, um, well, first off, I would say it's my definition, right? So this is how I define suffering. It's something that causes pain for me. So um, I know that uh, some of my friends would think suffering, uh, and again, I live here in Orange County. I work with a lot of posh people. Uh, a lot of people drive Teslas, so don't take this personally, but um, <laughs> people that have 90% humidity, for some people it's suffering, right? Um, for some people, uh, you know, a lot of mosquitoes uh, would be suffering, right? Um, I've lived in a lot of different places where I've seen people that go through, like for me, um, a squatty potty, that's, that's incredibly difficult for me to get up and down. And uh, it's just an <laughs> image I want to leave with you. But it, it, the, the suffering that we that I'm thinking of today, though, is a lot more uh, severe, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, we've just gone through this pan pandemic together, right? We've gone mm -hmm. through this, this year, uh, plus 18 mm -hmm. months of just incredible suffering where we've seen uh, I work at a hospital. I've seen suffering that I can't describe. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, my my one memory, my takeaway that I'll never forget is walking through the ICU and seeing uh, the bare backs of men like 10 in a row rising and falling with the because they're intubated and they're on their stomach. So the infection doesn't settle in, in, in uh, with them on their back. And I, I walked by and I just saw 10 men's bodies going up and down. And mm -hmm. to me, that's that was that was an image that created suffering for me. It hurt me in my heart. It created pain for me. That's their suffering was so much more severe, but it's a, it's an image for me. So that's how I look at suffering. I see it something that hurts us so badly that we can't get it out of our mind, right? Mm -hmm. Something that affects us so deeply. Um, it can be painful, but it can also be, uh, I'll be honest. I, during this last year, I've seen people suffer from, what, what this sounds so terrible from social media and feel like they have no more friends. If someone unfriends you, I've seen people, it's really, I've seen them go into deep depression and I've talked to patients even that have had to deal with deep, deep pain. And it came across from just social media. So suffering, it's very broad. It's very diverse. You define it for yourself. That's kind mm. of my definition where I'm at. Um, you know, that's, yeah. that's helpful. How, you know, we know that this isn't, <laughs> This was never God's design for us. How is the reality of suffering, whether no matter what kind of suffering it is, how is that different from how God created things to be? Mm. Yeah, so I, I love the word shalom. I use this term mm. a lot with my patients. So if you're my patient on a morning, I'll ask you, what can I pray for you about? And you'll tell me, pray that I wake up. Pray, you know, pray that my surgeon had a good day. And I'll say, I'll say, you know what, I I God's laid on my heart is I pray for people for peace for you. And we use this term shalom mm. from the Bible. And, um, and I'll talk about, you know, you can't really drive on the five today without shalom in your heart, right? This is <laughs> the world's on fire. Everybody's crazy, but that's what God created. And that's how he described it in, in the book of Genesis. It's that, that relationship is, is, is that shalom, that peace. 
that unbroken relationship is how we were created with God. And so he didn't create suffering. Suffering is, is what we've done, right? We, it's our sin that's created this. What God's done is he's working on bringing shalom back into our life every day. So um, suffering, um, what God created and what we're going to experience one day is, is as we get closer, this is just temporary. And that's, mm-hmm. this is one of the things I think that helps me is God did not create. Um, so I told you my, uh, you know, my son is a, a medical student and I ask him a lot of medical questions to see if he's learning anything. Well, <laughs> one of the things that we talk about is how we have an immune system, how God created our bodies to fight off disease that, you know, if you're an A blood type and someone tries to give you B blood, your body's going to turn against and said, that's not me. I'm not B, I'm A. And A is going to attack B and defeat the B blood. God created us that way. You know, that's God's creation. Uh, you know, enamel is just created to protect your teeth. It's just minerals that grow around your teeth. Isn't that amazing how God created these things? He created protection for us. He created what avenues of healing for us. Um, does it ever blow your mind when you think about you live in a, in a this human suit that you could actually cut a hole in it and it'll grow back. <laughs> I mean, it literally grows back on its own. I mean, we can help it and grow a bit faster, but God created us in a human suit that actually grows back. So I tell my patients all the time when they're getting their hip replaced, which is what all the cool kids do. If anybody asks, <laughs> uh, getting your first and, se- and then your second hip replaced, it's really popular, but um, healing actually begins right when, not when they cut your knee apart and put that thing or your hip apart. Uh, it's when they've already done that surgery. It's after surgery when your body begins to, to, to encapsulate around it, a circle around it. And that's the healing process of God. So he created us as healing beings. Um, yeah. It, it sounds like my next question, it, it, it sounds like you were starting in on it in a way in that I was going to ask you, what does the reality of suffering say about God? And mm. a part of this is it sounds like, it's important to, for us to remember that suffering, while not being God's design, like he, it's not what he intended for us when he, he made things, you know, as we see in Genesis one and two, he made, he, he made, you know, Adam and Eve to live in perfect relationship with him in Eden. But, at, but at the same time, knowing what was going to happen, that suffering was going to come. So when he designed our bodies, he designed them in a way to heal he designed them in a way to be you know to be um workable in a way like you said that we could make a hole in our body that it can heal so 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 it's a part of the attributes of god of knowing that this was going to come and that these medical you know even down the line that these medical advances would be made that would allow for 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 doctors and surgeons or whatever to be able to to use and to manipulate the body in a way that could allow for healing. Um, so it's important for us to remember that, that suffering was not a surprise to God, but I'm just curious, is there something, is there another part of kind of how we think about God or understand God that we should be, um, uh, that we should remember or, or, or be hmm. thinking about when we're talking about this concept of suffering, right? Well, one of the things I would tell you is that around the world, people um, see suffering as punishment from God. It's, there's a fatalism, right? So my experience is with my, the Muslim community and fatalism is sort of at the 
kind of the, the, the baseline really for how they deal. They see that um, pain and suffering is God's test, right? It's mm. whether uh, it's, it's, it's his way of, of trying us to see if we will submit to his will. But God didn't create, God is not out there trying to make us submit to his will by um, having our car stolen or uh, by uh, someone doing something to someone else, right? He's not trying to mold us and break us into something. He's about healing and strengthening, right? But he can use our suffering. Um, when I was overseas, I had a, a, a I was at a, a major flood incident and this, um, mm. this man came up and and he was very distraught and he was running away from this bad situation and came upon us and, and we started a conversation. And he asked me, why is this happening? What did mm. I do that God is punishing me? Because he believed that Jesus would come again and all of our Muslim friends believe that Jesus will come again and he will judge the world. And so they see everything that's bad as God's judgment on them. And, and he thought, was it something I did that, that made my family have to go through this pain? God did not create suffering. God is, um, is going to walk with you. If you Romans, Romans 8, right? It says, we, you know, we're going to enjoy the glory, but we're going to enjoy the suffering together as well. Because you know, uh, what God has demonstrated for us is that he loved us before we sinned. He loves us after we sinned. And he is ahead of us, if you will, and he can use our suffering. Um, I, I always think that I'm, um, uh, what would you call it? Uh, so, all right, this sounds really petty. I apologize, but I was short when I was growing up, right? I was pale. I could never have a tan and I had a big nose. And so I felt like God had judged me. He cursed me that my, this was what I would have called suffering as a preteen. Uh, right. But you know what? Um, I kind of grew into my nose, right? I kind of, I kind of developed a little bit of height, not a lot, but just enough, right? And so, what seemed like suffering at one point was actually just that growth process and how I was, and God used that, right? So I can look back. Um, I still can't touch touch the rim when I jump up, but I can. I, I know that God has taken me further from where I was, right? Yeah. No, that's good. That's helpful. Um, you know, as you think about the topic of suffering. I know when I see somebody suffering, if I, you know, if somebody that I love is going through something really painful and hard, I feel practically compelled to try to bring relief. Like I don't want the people I love to suffer, but what is it in the character of God? We know that sometimes he heals suffering and sometimes he doesn't. So what is it in the character of God that allows him to see us suffering, but not bring that immediate relief? Like how, mm. you know, right. how does that work? Well, I think part of that is that we have an expectation of relief, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, you know, it's dealing with the patients in the hospital. It's so heartbreaking at times because they'll have a surgery and they think this is going to solve something. Uh, back surgeries, man, they're really difficult. And, and they, they hurt when I stand with someone that's having back surgery because you think this is going to be helpful, but then it's not mm -hmm. as helpful as they thought, right? And then they have to have another back surgery. Um, so the the way I see this is just like God created a, an immunity system in our bodies. He created us in community as agents of healing. We are his instruments of healing. So when um, we think, well, why didn't God do something? He did. He put you there. He put mm -hmm. your, his, your community there. He, um, 
<laughs> so here's the deal. I think that we are all God's instruments of healing. When you babysit someone who hasn't slept in two days, their mother hasn't slept, if you babysit for that mother, you're providing mental health healing mm, for that lady, right? Good. So God is, God, God does care. He, he created us in advance to help each other. Um, I, have, I have more stories, but I would just tell you that I think that for, for you and I, uh, we have to keep our eyes open because we are God's instruments. Uh, if he uses lightning to try to fix everything, we're going to have a lot of scars, man. <laughs> he, he uses people. He uses us, yeah. right? So he, he has put in place uh, a compassionate heart within us, right? He gave us his example with, with Jesus. You know, here's the question I have. Why in the world did Jesus heal people? He didn't really have to do that. Why he do it at all, right? He he could have just, you know, hey, everybody follow me. And they, we would have just fallen in line because what great glory, right? But he didn't do that. He actually touched um, people with incredibly difficult diseases that we don't even have words for, dropsy, which I don't even, some sort of swelling or something, right? Jesus was not, Jesus, he was showing us how we are that instrument of God's care and compassion. I love that. I love that. Another kind of question about sort of trying to put together suffering with who we know God is and how the Bible reveals him. You know, Psalm 139.16 talks about the fact that every day of my life was written in God's book before a single one had passed. And yet we know that when we suffer, sometimes we ask, like, is that suffering actually part of God's plan for me? somehow or is just suffering part of living in a broken world and his plan is woven through my suffering and then he's going to bring good from it like how you know how can we reconcile the fact that we know that god has a plan for our lives and yet when we suffer like how does that work together oh yeah that's you know that really goes to, to this this idea of um i think we, we we hear about paul talking about how he's a thorn in the has a thorn mm -hmm. in the flesh and really the thorn in the flesh was, uh, I, you know, we, it's a very, you know, what a, what a picture that is, right. Of something that's so painful that you carried around with you all the time. And he, the suffering that people experienced in the days past was so broad and so difficult for us to understand. Um, but that's, that was what some, he, he says that God allowed him to go through that to keep him humble. He saw in himself that, Hey, I'm, I'm an arrogant jerk and the Lord put this in me, allowed this to happen. He doesn't say that God did this to him. He says that he allowed it to happen to him. And I think that when we, yeah, we think about this, that God orders our, our, our lives, that God has a plan for our lives. Um, we live in such a broken world that God's plan, just keeping us alive is amazing to me. I, I'm, I don't know if you, uh, okay, so this sounds terrible, but a lot of people want to think the old days were so much better, you know, that, oh, if we just had back then, and my wife tells me all the time, you know, in the 50s that pregnant women used to smoke so that they could lose weight. Do you really want to go back to that, right? And so <laughs> sometimes we have this image of what suffering is. We have this image of what we've been through, and we think, well, this is God, you know, judging me or painful, or whatever. People didn't live as long as we live today, right? We've We've kind of the things that, that I consider suffering are the things that like, I've had some, some health issues and I've had, um, you, you know, the, the, um, 
you know what a DNR is, right? An advanced mm-hmm. directive, right? So I had that. I had I had a procedure one time to go south. It didn't work out, and I had uh, my wife and I talked about you know our lives, and um, that was a very painful experience going through it in this hospital overseas. But it was also this awareness of I would not do anything different. All the pain and suffering, all the mistakes I've made, I have all the crazy decisions and places that we've gone and things we've done. I don't regret trying to to follow God with my all of my heart. I don't. And, and I think that suffering for, was part of that, right? Um, hmm. So I'll, let me tell you this one dumb story. Please don't get mad at me. Um, <laughs> when, when I first moved overseas, um, I didn't really enjoy it too much. I had culture shock. And so I wanted to come home, but I didn't want to come home a failure. So I asked the Lord if maybe he could make one of the kids sick just enough to go home. Not, not long-term sick, just sick a little <laughs> bit, right? Now I um, need to go home. Yeah. Right. I wish I could stay, but yeah. I'm not a quitter, right? You know what? My kids never got sick. I swear. They ate off the street. They did all kind of dumb things. They never got sick. Ten years we lived in this on this island, you know. And I was sick a lot, right? And and the Lord was was I was, you know, like dinghy fever, things that you just can't control. You know, sickness that just is in, in the world. And and the Lord kept reminding me all the time that um you know, don't mess with me for one thing, right? Don't mess with me. Uh, but I'm going to care for you. And you're going, you're going to experience my grace, you're going to experience my, um, my love by watching your children be healthy. Mm. You know, <laughs> and he's rubbing it in a little bit to say, hey, you know, don't, <laughs> don't be a, a jerk like that again. <laughs> All right, sorry. So, <laughs> no, that's good. I wanted to, uh, to talk about it. And I think it's something that it, it deals a lot with kind of the stuff that you've been talking about, but I, I'd love to distill it a little bit. So how then should Christians engage with suffering? And, and, and how does this differ from maybe how people generally engage with suffering? Uh, yeah, I, I think this is... Um... Well, I want to use the pandemic just a little bit, I guess, because uh, this pandemic has been, uh, you know, obviously just overwhelming. Um, You think about Hurricane Katrina, there was only, I think, like, I don't know, 1800 people died. And we're having that every day. Right. We've had an average. I don't know. uh, I can't do the math, but maybe 12, 1300 a day for this last year and a half. Um, And and this is our opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I think this is the, and I'll be honest, I'll, I'll brag. I'll do a little bragging real quick. Um, uh, I was, you know, at this hospital I'm working at in this ICU and watching these, these men, I was talking about being, being, you know, going through all this trauma. I was watching a hundred pound nurse, literally, she's just a little bitty thing, turning the men back and forth so that the infection couldn't stay on one side. And I mean, she, they weighed three times her weight, I promise you. And, and all the hoses and I, she's a hero, right? She was just fantastic. So uh, we were trying to care for our staff and I, I reached out to Pastor Kyung and Irvine South and said, Pastor, I want to do something for the folks. And he said, sure, let's do something. So we got all the ICU staff, this gift box of food and stuff. And we did kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, a healing time for them. And um, um, that those boxes were healing. For, for the staff, they were, hey, people, because in an ICU, nobody can see things, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very closed environment. You don't really know what's going on. 
and they're isolated all night long and it's very painful, but just bringing them, you know what we did? We put their names on them. Something, mm-hmm. something, you know, I think the, the Irvine South put a little sticker that said something nice, you know, about your RV Rose or something, but um, that kind of healing is what we should be doing as a church. That's what we need to be doing. Um, you know, I've, I participated in the, um, uh, uh, care boxes, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we I, I did a lot of those here in Anaheim. Um, uh, shout out to everybody that's been working at the uh, Anaheim campus. It's fantastic. Uh, food distribution. I've done a lot of those things uh, at Gilbert High School. I know we're still doing them. Uh, we are being the hands of Jesus with people who are going through incredible trauma, incredible pain and suffering. This is what we should be doing. Um, I use Luke 14 as an example. I use Luke 14 around the world. Uh, I'll go somewhere into a city and I will have a dinner and I will ask them to round up all the people that no one um, wants to have come in their restaurant, right? The disabled or whatever. Um, And we'll do a feast because that I can then tell anybody in the world about Jesus. This is what Jesus said to do. He said, have a banquet. And these are the people to invite. And I think we can do that. I think that is one of the greatest tools. Um, And I see it as a command in Luke 14. I know not everybody does. He's kind of shaming the Pharisees a little bit, but still it's a command that we should be inviting people from the streets. We should be inviting the the disabled. We should be inviting the refugee into to our table. And that's what we should be doing. I think suffering, uh, I haven't even, we really haven't talked about this is suffering, the different kinds of ways you suffer, but um, relational suffering is very Mm -hmm. difficult, right? Um, Poverty really is the absence of healthy relationships. So poverty, Mm -hmm. Uh, you, uh, help helping that hurts. Brian Fickert's book uh, mm-hmm. really goes deep into this idea that people we want to give them things, but what they really need is us. What they really need mm-hmm. is each other. What they really need is to be a part of something, and that's how uh, we approach poverty. And I think I, and this is just my interpretation of suffering: is a poverty of feelings. It's that sense of loss. I'm I'm just really hurt. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't see it. We're really good at covering stuff, right? But you sit down for dinner, right? Mm -hmm. And talk long enough and you tell stories, you begin to heal those wounds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just kind of thinking, continuing this idea of our approach to suffering. One of the things you wrote, I read through everything that you sent over. It was amazing, all of your curriculum. But one of the things you wrote was that A Christian approach to illness always includes, and you had a long list, compassion, prayer, discernment, and truth-telling. It may also require confession, intercession, counseling, exorcism, medicine, or surgery. And so, I mean, it's a lot of different things. And it kind of prompted a couple of questions for me. And the first one, and I referenced this a little bit earlier, but sometimes when we pray for God to heal or relieve our suffering, sometimes he does. And sometimes he doesn't. Um, sometimes he says, you know, pick up your pallet and walk. And sometimes he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, and my, just my own personal experience with this is that, you know, my father was sick when I, right after my, or right before my fifth birthday, he passed away from brain cancer when I was a little girl and we prayed and anointed with oil. We did all the things and God, did not heal him. But then my mom twice in the last six years has been at the edge of death and we prayed and God did heal her. And so as we think about our approach to suffering, as we think about um, 
seeing it from God's perspective, how can a right view of suffering help us navigate what can sometimes feel like the unpredictability of God, right? Like sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. We don't necessarily know why he does or why he doesn't. So how do we, how do we navigate that? How can thinking right about suffering help us navigate sort of this, well, I don't know what God's going to do and I don't know why he does or doesn't. Yeah. That's a big uh, question. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's such an important question though, because I think um, a lot of people, um, so we have this thing called um, complex grief and complex grief is when the, 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 um, the symptoms, I guess, of grief never go away. They, they just continue on and on and people begin to focus on them. And, and it's a very difficult thing to deal with um, and healthy dealing with grief and, or uh, healthy is maybe too strong a word, but a, a way that helps us get through it is to kind of, is, is to, you know, ask those hard questions. And this is an important hard question to ask. Why sometimes yes and once, why sometimes no? It doesn't make sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, part of what I try to do uh, in my, uh, you know, my understanding is um, I, I, I spend a lot of time surrendering myself. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I use in, in the curriculum Swingley's uh, plague hymn, and it's it's uh, written in 1500s during the plague there. And he's basically saying, I am thine. You know, mm -hmm. you own me. I am not in charge. I'm going to do what you say. I, I want your relief. But if I don't get it, I'm still going to take, go out to the street and bring in mm -hmm. the, the hurting and care for them. And that's the hardest thing, I think. Um, uh, it's the hardest thing to keep going at times, right? We can wear out and that's sometimes difficult. And that's why we need each other. Honestly, you cannot go through those kind of experiences. Like what you went through as a child by yourself, you right. need, you need someone else. Um, and part of, you know, not having all the answers is okay. I want to say this, I'm getting old. And the older I get, the more I know I don't know. Yeah, and I sure. don't like it. But yeah. I, I wish I knew more. Um, but I'm learning that I don't have all the answers, right? I don't have, I can't explain something. So I just, what I try to do is surrender. I say, okay, Lord, I am yours. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, I know it's for my good. Mm -hmm. I may not see it. I may not understand it. But I know I trust you. My trust is in you. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and you know, I, um, I, there's so many things that happen, um, where, you know, we ask why them, they were the nicest one in our family. Yeah, why yeah, did yeah. they, why did it happen to them? And I, you know, there are no answers that we, we have a lot of medical answers more than we've ever had before. And yet we still don't know what causes some things. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that pastor Rick, um, has talked about many times is sometimes even if we knew why it wouldn't make us feel a whole lot better, you know, That's I right. mean, cause, and you know, with his story, he and, and Kay have been through unimaginable suffering. And he talks about the, the fact that sometimes the best thing you can do is like what Job's friends did before they, you know, before they spent 38 chapters trying to figure out what happened to Job, the first thing they did <laughs> was they showed up and they shut up. They just were there with him. It says that they sat with him in silence for seven days. 
And I think sometimes just the presence of other people in the midst of your suffering, even when we don't, you know, you're talking about the fact that we don't know. And a lot of times we don't know and we won't know, but just the gift of presence is sometimes I think the most powerful thing that we can offer someone in the midst because we, we may not have an answer and, and any answer we try to give will probably sound trite or contrived or like you just don't understand. Well, it's, so. it's probably, I'd imagine even nowadays it's harder. It, well, it may not be harder, but it's hard for us because we live in this information age where we feel like we could just Google anything or, yeah. you yep. know, or look exactly. up anything. Yep. And so when we approach the limits of our understanding and when something is literally just unknowable of, you know, something as, as why, why did this have to happen or God, why did you allow this to happen? That is, is not something, you know, unless God chooses to reveal an answer to you or a reason to you, again, that's up to him if he wants to, but most of the time in our experiences, it's, it's, he doesn't. And so we are left wondering mm -hmm. why, and you know, it's in, instead of being able to go on and in, in search for an answer, we have to kind of a understand that we may not know, but then b change how we approach the question. And instead of asking, why did this have to happen? Instead say, God, what are you wanting to do here in this? Yeah. 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 Well, Linda, I'm, I'm really sorry about your life with, um, you know, losing your dad so young. When, when, when you were going through that, what do you remember about those days now? Is that, that something that still, still yeah, think about? Well, sure. I mean, grief is a grief is an odd thing. I mean, I remember going through it. I remember um, the church coming around us. Hmm. Um, I, that was probably probably my biggest memories at the time. And then afterwards, you know, just becoming involved in you know grief recovery. We we started. We had been going to a teeny tiny church, and then we went to a church that had a little bit more programming directed towards you know, coming around people in grief and things like that. But, you know, grief is, is odd because even now, like I grieve, like that suffering kind of comes back. Like when I had my kids, I wished he was there right. to, yeah. you know, so yeah, I mean, th those are, that has stayed with me, but I also, you know, I've walked with Jesus for about 40 years and, um, I know that that loss and that suffering, part of who I am today and the ministry that I do and the, and the way that I approach my world was impacted directly by those events. So God has used it in ways like I would not be the woman that I am had I not gone through those things, you know, yeah. because that changed the trajectory of my whole life. And so I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was, it was the hardest thing I ever went through. But God redeemed that suffering in so many ways. You know, if we had a long, long time, I could tell you all the ways mm. that God has redeemed that suffering. And we don't always get to see it. Um, but in this case, like I can look at that and, and at, on the one hand, hold the fact that it was, it was horrible and I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but I can also see the good things that God has brought in my life and the ministry that I get to do because of it. So kind of a mixed bag yeah <laughs> but thanks for asking uh, uh, rob when we were reading the book embodied um as our team and mm. and we were talking about 
about the suffering body chapter in particular and some of the later chapters. One thing that came up a lot in our conversations as a team was that um, it seems like human nature seeks to avoid or as quickly relieve suffering as possible. And sometimes mm -hmm. we'll even go to extremes such as like physician assisted suicide to avoid mm -hmm. suffering. Um, I, I just wanted to know if, if you could kind of speak to this idea a little bit in terms of as, as speaking as Christians, because, because that's, that's who we are. And we're speaking to an audience of Christians in general. Um, how should we think about the avoidance or relief of suffering? Is there a limit that we should move to? Like, you know, is there, is there things that we can do, but things that we shouldn't do? Like, how should mm. we think about, um, you know, it, it, because of a medical practice is being the, what it is, we have, you know, more opportunities to get treatments to avoid suffering than maybe ever before. Um, but yeah. is there a line? I'm guessing there is. Is there a line? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then how should we think about that line? <laughs> Jason, I, I think, um, you know, as you were talking, one of the things that the Lord just kind of laid on my heart is that, um, you know, you can have MS and still have shalom. I have a friend that has had MS for a long time, and yet he still has peace. He still mm -hmm. has, I uh, will say this honestly, more than I do at times. Our suffering, our pain, our affliction, whatever, um, doesn't necessarily keep us from having peace, right? You know, look at Johnny Erickson Tata. I mean, she should be right. the one, right? I mean, she's she's the queen of all this. She's so smart and what she's been through. She's been so open. Um, so I, I want to start with that first to say, I hope if anyone's really you know, been going through long-term pain. And like you said, there's things that we don't, we just don't understand, right? I mean, we don't mm -hmm. under, know why, but, um, but it hurts. Um, and you know what? Also, there's people around the world who don't have insurance. You think how spoiled we are, right? I, I was complaining. It took me a year to get knee surgery because insurance wouldn't do what I wanted them to do. And then I have these friends overseas that have been limping for, for a decade, never even thought about having surgery, right? So yeah. in that perspective, I just want you to know, if, if I, I just want our, our, our family at Sovac to know that if you're, you've got something you've had for a long time, I am so sorry, but you can still have shalom. You can still have a healed relationship because we believe in whole person care, right? We believe that it's not just our bodies, but it's our mind, our soul, our spirit. It's all of us that makes us who we are. Um, so I, I wanted to, I don't know if this is what you were asking, but I want to ask, I talk a little bit about what a DNR is um, and what I've seen in these last sure. few years. Sure. Um, it's a very difficult conversation at times. Uh, probably the most difficult conversation I've stood with a lot of doctors trying to explain to a family that if you keep someone, we can keep them alive and keep them plugged in. We can do these treatments. We can put all these uh, IVs in. We can do all these things and we can keep a person going for, you know, physically for a few more days. Um, but this is what happens to them. And then the doctor will try to just, you know, describe what's going to happen to their physical body. Sometimes we become so, um, 
uh, fixated on, on that. You know, I hate to use that word. That's a terrible word. We, we, it's just hard for us to imagine saying it's okay if, um, if we let them go, right? I want to do all that I can. And I've seen this last year, extreme measures taken. And it, I'll be honest with you, uh, maybe we have to turn the recording off for a second, but it just seemed like we were torturing people, honestly, mm. um, trying to keep them going because we wanted it, right? We want it and, and, and we were just afraid to give up. This may not be where we're supposed to go with this, but I, <laughs> I apologize. But oh, I, I want to I encourage, um, well, I want us to think about death is, uh, and, and I think we all see this as no more pain and suffering, right? And um, I, I think that when we look at the end of time, when God's finished and God's ready, um, that scope of our life, right? he's, he's just taken us through that whole scope and he's ready that no more pain and suffering. Uh, we don't know what, I don't know what's on the other side, right? I don't have um, uh, uh, a Facebook page or whatever that tells me here's what it is, <laughs> right? Um, but the suffering that we have here um, is temporary, okay? It is real. It is painful. It, it lasts a long time, but it is temporary. And the hope that we have in Christ, the hope that we have in the promise. I read 1 Peter 1 about 10 times a week to people because I want them to see that this is our inheritance. Because of our faith in Christ, we have an inheritance in heaven that he's placed there for us. And I use that to share the gospel because it's very clear that because of your faith in Christ, you can have hope. And you know what he says in 1 Peter? He says, living hope. And that I use living hope as sort of my mantra, right? I want you to have living hope. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going to live longer. It just means that your hope is going to be alive, right? Um, yeah. Hmm. yeah, it's it's so important. Anytime we're talking about suffering, which we've been talking about for hmm. 45 minutes, <laughs> to, 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 to make sure that, like, yes, there's, but the hope is greater. Right. Yeah, it is. It's, it's it's not to say that the suffering isn't real. It's not to say that right. the suffering isn't painful because it is. But hope, the hope of Jesus, uh, the hope of heaven, that future is even more real than we can imagine right now. It's right. E even more real than the suffering that we feel right now. What we will experience later and for the rest of eternity is. It's not something that we can comprehend, but it is right. more real. <laughs> uh, you know what it's like? It's, you see the look on people's faces when they went to SoFi Stadium and they just had this, <laughs> wow, this is unbelievable. This is great. That's nothing, man. I it's, haven't been there yet, but I, I do look forward to going. I've point. just seen the pictures. I will, I think about it. I've seen the pictures and yeah. I, I agree. It does look like, you know, something out of a storybook. Um, um, uh, Rob, I wanted to wrap us up um, by just talking about some kind of some practical things that people can do out of this conversation, right? This podcast is called Doable Discipleship for a Reason. <laughs> so what are some practices that we can do to better prepare us and equip us for the inevitable suffering that comes in life, either that we that it will come or maybe something that we're going through right now? What are some ways that we can, you know, take steps to better, better equip us to face that? 
Oh man, that's a great question. I'll 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 start with just this idea of uh, build your relationships now, and and I don't mean the people that make you like how to be a millionaire friends, right? <laughs> uh, um, there's a whole different that's a whole other strategy. I don't I don't run in that direction. Find people that are going through pain right now that you can walk with them. So when you have to walk through it, you'll have already learned some lessons, right? Mm-hmm. Don't try to live in a bubble or just live on success or only, you know, have, um, um, I don't want to use that terminology, but, but it's, it's not really just about us being blessed all the time. So look for putting yourself in positions where you have to deal with people or love people um, or sit with people. Um, so here's the thing, like uh, spend some time on Euclid in Anaheim, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, get your haircut at a place that's different from where you're used to. Begin to build relationships with people that are struggling, our refugee community. Um, work with people, find people in your life that um, are disabled that you can, can be with. You know, we run upstairs but if you find some people in your life that you have to go with them one step at a time, mm-hmm. you're training yourself, right? Um, good. The, the other thing I would say is um, to this area of, that um, Dr. Allison talks about the disabled. Um, every one of us are image bearers of Christ, mm-hmm. right? We're mm-hmm. bear, Im, God's image bearer, right? And we need to affirm and look for people that we can remind them that they're in God's image. So what happens for me is the more I see a patient and tell them about uh, hope, the more hopeful I become, the more um, I sit with people and hear their stories, the more I understand the life I'm living. And it prepares me really. So I'll go through some, uh, like I'm really ticked right now about uh, this uh, vaping thing, right? Because you know why? Because I've had a patient every month who's OD'd on some fentanyl that someone stuck in that crap, sorry, and um, someone <laughs> took a hit, and that was their last breath, right? They took one mm-hmm. hit, a, a teenager, right? So I'm really angry at vaping. Uh, this is all subject I know, but what it's done for me is it's it's, it's given me something to say. I've got I've got a reason. I've got a, I've got a, a cause, if you will, and I think that helps me. That helps me to say, okay, I want to make a difference right now in something. This is my thing. Mm. So uh, um, if you're vaping and I come, I come beside you, I'm gonna, I may say something, you know, I may just say something <laughs> in love in Jesus name and say, Hey man, I, please don't hurt yourself anymore. Right. Um, so don't take me to a hookah lounge. Cause I'll be really, I'll, be, I'll, I'll just cause havoc. Right. Um, <laughs> but those are the type of things I think that prepare us for suffering that prepare us. Uh, if we live in a bubble, uh, it's very difficult when something happens to us. So I had surgery one time in my, I had a, a tumor removed from my, my whatever, and they, they nicked my uh, vocal cord. And so for mm. six weeks, I couldn't talk at all. And I would, I actually went to a few events and sat in the disabled, the, what is that called? The, the uh, handicap section. Oh my mm. Lord. The handicap word just made me want to just, I was so angry. I was so mad at God. I couldn't sing. I couldn't say anything because I, you know, I had no voice. I refused after one time in that handicap section to ever be considered handicapped again. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted, I didn't want anybody to take care of me. I really, I, I wanted you know, to, to have my own voice and I worked hard to try to get over it. 
Um, but that experience helped me. It helps to, to be with people uh, and to, to walk with people. They're going through difficult things so that we can prepare. You know, um, I have a gym membership. I should cancel it because I'm not using it, but <laughs> I still have a gym membership and I need, I, I, I need my life to be a gym. I don't need my life to be a beach, right? Hmm. I, I need to be working out. Again, I'm going to cancel that membership because I have wasted a lot of money there. But um, it's a, for me, it's a metaphor. I'll tell my wife, it's just a metaphor. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but that's what we need to be doing. We need to be working out, right? Yeah, I think that, I think that idea sure. is so important of just don't be afraid to step into what you might see as the uncomfortable yeah, or as the different sure. Mm-hmm. because like God will meet you there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it may be, it may feel uncomfortable or scary for you, but that's the life that Jesus lived too in that if stepping into those environments, into those relationships that were seen as, you know, scary or not wanting to deal with or out of the way mm-hmm. in Jesus. And so if we are called to, be like Christ, which we are, then we are called to <laughs> yes. you know, step into those situations like he did. And, and I would encourage you even to set aside that, I, that, that notion of this as a situation, or I am, I'm making the lead, you know, making it anything more than it is, because all it is, is like, I'm going to go spend time with this brother, this sister, this fellow image bearer, you know, mm-hmm. and they may be going through some stuff. You know what? I go through stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 I would want people to step in to my stuff with me, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I'm going to go and step into this with them. And in everything that you were just saying, Rob, about, about and not just the relational element and the importance of being there for other people, but the gleaning for yourself too mm, good word yeah. of learning of of uh, of learning so that when you are entering into different types of suffering and it may look it may be a different type of suffering than the person that you are with but you're still learning and seeing um you know what it's like and taking those steps and and, and just being aware making all those mental notes right but it's also going to further your relationship with God, when you step in in dependence on him of saying, God, I am uncomfortable. You know that my heart does not want to be doing this right now, but I am going to trust you. And I know mm-hmm. that you are there. So I just, I, I am going to depend mm-hmm. on you for words, for wisdom. And, you know, I just, and I know that you are going to do something in this. So I just thank you in advance for whatever you're going to do, because mm-hmm. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here. Right. And in, and that's okay. God knows what you are, are thinking about. God knows your comfort or your discomfort. So it's not news to him, but he still will honor mm. that. And he, and he will say, Hey, you know, I, I thank you for spending time with this person that I love. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rob, I just want to thank I just want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all of the work that you do and have done and will continue to do. Um, and f- for being someone who models 
what it's like to step in both um, at your work at the hospital and both and in all the work that you've done overseas, you know, in, in all those different areas. Um, that's a model of stepping in to places that, you know, maybe most people uh, try to avoid like the plague, right? Mm -hmm. Is um, and so it's, it's just, it, it's a great, it's uh, this whole conversation just has been a great pointer and reminder for us that we have a calling, right? Suffering is inevitable for both you and for everybody else mm -hmm. around and how we think about it is up to us. And there is a way to think about this truth this reality of suffering that points us back to God and puts us into deeper relationship with God, but it also points us to others. Everything that you were saying, Rob, about community and the importance of building that community, like mm -hmm. it points us. So, so our, our suffering and the suffering of others points us even deeper into community and, and relationship as well. So um, friends, I, I don't want to continue on with that. I, I just want to leave you with that because mm. I think that this is just a, a great way to wrap up this conversation. We'll be back next week. Um, I won't be here, but Linda will be joined by Brandon Bathauer, who you all know, and they're going to be talking about um, a, a, a final episode on this topic of embodiment, talking about whole person care, um, which ties in well with this conversation that we were just having and then talking about fruitfulness out of our embodiment too. So um, we, I hope that you'll come back for, for, for next week's wrap, wrap up episode. Friends, we love you. We're praying for you, especially if you are in the throes of suffering of some type right now. We're praying for you, especially right now. In fact, Rob, mm. would you close us with a prayer for anybody who is listening right now, who is in the midst of suffering and then, um, and then that'll be the end of our conversation today. Sound good? I would love to. Thank you. Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you because you're our only hope. Uh, Lord, we can't do anything without you. Uh, today, Lord, we come with our brothers and sisters um, that are hurting today, Lord. And um, we know that you love them. You created them. You know everything about their situation. You know what they're going through right now. So we... Uh, we put them in your hands. We commit them to you, Lord. Uh, we trust you, Lord, to watch over them. Lord, help us to know how to care for one another. We really want to be your instruments of healing today. And we do pray for the healing for, for our whole, all of our neighbors, for all of our community, Lord, that, um, Lord, you would restore shalom, that your peace that would come. Lord, I thank you that uh, from, I pray for my neighbors today that, that need shalom, that need that peace, that are struggling today. I pray that your presence would fill them, that they would they would find their hope and their joy and their peace today. Uh, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. 
And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes. And go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question might just inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Mm-hmm.